0: Hello and welcome into A Place for Healing from Bethesda Workshops. Hi everybody, I'm Jim Kress. Joined here today by the Executive and Clinical Director of Bethesda Workshops, author and conference speaker Marnie Fere. Marnie is the author of No Stones, Women Redeemed from Sexual Addiction and Making Advances, a comprehensive guide for treating female sex and love addicts. Bethesda Workshops can be reached at Bethesdaworkshops.org. Or at 866-464-HEAL. That's 866-464-4325. Hope you'll keep those uh, those numbers, those websites, all, these, all that we give here in the program, more than, than uh, our discussion here programmatically. We want you to know there's a lot more behind the scenes you can go to. Lives are being changed. Marriages are being saved through Bethesda Workshops. Hope you'll go check that out. We'll talk more about that as we go along the way today. And it is uh, a really controversial topic not one that we're afraid of because it needs to be talked about. As you listen to our Get Together, our program today, you may have some buttons pushed. That's a okay if that happens. We're going to talk about disclosure of of sexual acting out. If there's been sexual acting out that your spouse doesn't know about, we're going to talk about disclosure, what it is, what it's not, why in the world would anybody do a disclosure, and what is it exactly... That you do disclose but the first time, Arnie. Welcome. Welcome back. Good to have you here in A Place for Healing.
1: Thanks, Jim. I'm glad to be here. And I'm glad to talk about this topic. I mean, you're right. Disclosure just strikes total terror in the heart of every addict. And too often it's done in a really unhealthy, even hurtful way. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that Bethesda Workshops can provide this program to really spell out really clearly why to disclose, and what to disclose, and how to disclose.
0: You know, I've heard you say, and I think this is an absolutely uh, staggering, stunning statement, and it's, it is true, that a person is never going to have true intimacy with their partner if they don't do a full disclosure. So there are guys listening right now, Marnie, that go, oh, if I don't disclose, I don't get sex, because that's <laughs> what they think true intimacy is. What, what do you mean right. by that statement?
1: Right, um, intimacy does not equal sex. Um, <laughs> you know, hopefully, a sexual relationship is full of intimacy between a husband and a wife, but that's maybe even another conversation.
0: Right.
1: I I know that if we think about what does intimacy really mean, you often say, you know, into me see. Right. If we think about that, and that's what we want in a marriage relationship, if you've been struggling with an addiction, you will never have that genuinely connected um, whole relationship unless it's based on truth and honesty and vulnerability and free from shame. And when an addict is hiding that secret, it's it's like I, I always hold my hands out and instead of standing there with open hands, you know, here I am, I'm not hiding anything. You're hiding something behind your back. I absolutely believe that there is not going to be genuine intimacy if you're hiding something. Uh, I know that as a person in recovery from sex and love addiction, I don't want to spend the rest of my life wondering if David, my husband, if he ever found out about this, whatever this might be, would he leave me? You, that's that you can't build rebuild trust on that kind of foundation. So true and total and honest and full and healthy disclosure is just really really important.
0: So we have a, a statistic that you and I've talked about before you've taught this at Bethesda workshops and just just a, a quick flyover on it there is there are a lot of people saying, you know what we're scared to death to go through disclosure as a couple. And then there are these people who are on the other side who said, we did it. We looked back and tell you what, we, we know it was the right thing to do. Um, what do you, what do you, why do you feel that that statistic so important? Those who have done it and are on the other side.
1: Well, I think it's important first, just because they've done it and they survived and they are on the other side and they can speak back to this fear. The fear of the unknown is often so powerful and those who have been through a healthy process of disclosure can come back and, and even some good statistical research by Dr. Jennifer Schneider and Dr. Deb Corley to look at uh, what was disclosure like, both for addicts and for their partners. And they are showing that both people on both sides of this equation thought that disclosure was a helpful thing to do. I think, Jim, there's so much misunderstanding about oh, disclosure. Yeah. yeah, I think that that there's so much controversy, um, and too often counselors, including Christian counselors, are telling people don't disclose. That's right. And they're saying that's crazy, and that's not the thing to do. And I, I really want to just debunk that myth. That disclosure is the right thing to do. It is important. This sounds real smart, Aleke, but I I say it often that there are different schools of thought about disclosure uh, and including among Christian counselors, and that's fine. People can think whatever they want to think. Just in this case, if they're teaching anything other than full disclosure, they're simply wrong. I mean it <laughs> it really is it's yeah. that that simple that within the clinical community, the community of professionals who have specific training and working in a sex addiction and working with partners of addicts, there is not this controversy. Right. Um, these trained professionals understand how powerful, how painful, and how critical it is to do disclosure. And so it's it's really time that within the Christian community we, we come to understand. How about if we talk a little bit first, Jim, about what disclosure is not?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. I think that, and maybe that's one reason why some of the Christian counselors especially are not advocating or even discouraging disclosure. I think it's because um, some people think disclosure is just dumping all my junk on you. Right. And that's that's not right at all. That's selfish. It's even cruel. We're not talking about an addict just coming coming in and blowing the socks off of a spouse, a wife, a husband, and dumping out all of this stuff that relieves the addict maybe of some guilt and shame. But it it is like dumping hot volcanic ash on the partner. So that's not what we're talking about. We're also not talking about disclosing in some way that is to blame the spouse. And we hear that so often at Bethesda workshops, particularly, just being honest here, from male sex addicts who have told their wives about their, say, pornography problem, and they've done it in really a hateful, cruel way. They've said, Mm -hmm. well, I look at pornography because you've so let yourself go and, you know, you're just not particularly attractive anymore, so I'm, I'm looking at these other pictures to see what a hot woman looks like. That's wrong. Or men who will blame their wives for their sexually addictive behavior, saying, well, if you just have sex with me more, if you were just totally sexually available, right. or if you weren't so, um, you know, closed off about sex, if you were a little freer, um, more impulsive about what we do sexually, then then I wouldn't have this problem. Those are not good reasons to disclose. But an, for an addict to disclose what he or she has done in terms of betraying in the relationship, if you're doing that because you're willing to take full responsibility for your stuff, you're willing to commit to a healing process, that's going to be a healthier motivation.
0: The uh, counterintuitive part for those listening today, I hope they, they you know, didn't shut it off and switch to another program <laughs> or something else, but th- the idea that someone says, Whoa, you know, man, what are you talking about? And we've seen that at Bethesda workshops. We, we're we not there to try to, you know, cram this down their throat or whack them upside the head with it. Each person has to have their process, right? They're going to hear this and go, wait a minute. One of the things I know we do is to say, chew on this. Think exactly. on these things, right? Because some people are going to go, I've got counselors. I've got a pastor who said, don't do this. So already... There, this is counterintuitive piece. How do you usually encourage people there to say, "Hang on, just 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 listen, hear me out for a minute." How do you encourage people just to listen to what you're saying?
1: Well, I I think all that we can do is put out the accurate and mm-hmm. helpful information, and then somebody's going to do whatever whatever they're going to do. All and right. and as as counselors and Christian helpers, we're we're powerless over that. I think it helps if we talk about this topic from a spiritual perspective for yeah. a second that that disclosure really involves some awfully important spiritual principles and here here's what i mean an addict has to be willing to l- run the risk of losing this relationship by telling the truth to ever have the opportunity really to save the relationship you know you got to be willing to let it go to ever keep it in the long term. And so too often the addicts, you know, want to manipulate their partner into staying with them by withholding the truth. And the reality, again, is that it's just a total setup for failure. So it's one of those spiritual paradoxes of you tell the truth, you do the right thing, you tell it in humility and in the right way, and leave that outcome, leave that outcome up to God.
0: There's a novel thought, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> leave, Surrender.
0: Leave, huh. Yeah. Leave the outcome uh, up to God. I tell you what, we're going to take a break. We'll come back here in just a moment. And uh, there's going to be another part to this that you can listen to that will will be uh, the whole realm of, 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 of just everything really you're going to need to know, including the the very how of this, getting nuts and bolts, very practical, on doing the disclosure. And I want you to stay with us for that along the way. And as we've said, you're an adult. It's your decision to decide if you're going to, you know, if you're going to say, I'm going to go through with this or or not. And you certainly don't need to go through that alone. So be sure to stay with us as we continue. And check out more. There's a lot more around Bethesda Workshops at the website, BethesdaWorkshops.org. And your questions about registering for one of the workshops or more, 866 866- 464 4325. Back in just a moment with Marnie Faree. I'm Jim Crest. This is a place for healing. Here is the executive and clinical director of Bethesda Workshops, author and conference speaker Marnie Faree.
1: Bethesda Workshops is a place for healing from sex and relationship addiction. Located in Nashville, Tennessee, we offer help and hope to those who are personally struggling and to their partners. Our four-day intensive workshops are the equivalent of eight to 12 months of weekly counseling. It's the most cost-effective and easiest way to get a huge jump start or boost in the healing process.
0: Contact Bethesda Workshops today at bethesdaworkshops.org or 1-866-464-HEAL. That's 866-464-4325 or bethesdaworkshops.org. Welcome back to A Place for Healing. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Cress here with Marnie Faree, the Clinical Executive Director of Bethesda Workshops. Glad you're with us. And again, uh, check out our website. There's a lot there to see. And uh, some of you, you know, you if not yourself, you may have a friend or a loved one. It happens. Someone says, my husband, I found out he's been into pornography or had an affair or a wife is struggling with this or with that. And you say, I don't know how to even begin to speak to this. There's a phone number there, too, which you know if you've listened to our breaks, 866-464-HEAL, 866-464-4325, or BethesdaWorkshops.org. And we are talking, well, about disclosure today. Yeah, it's a, that's a a hot-button topic, isn't it? You say, really, to disclose and tell everything? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. That's not what I heard from a pastor or some other counselor. And there's a line from the 12 steps that remind us that we stay as sick as our secrets and you get to decide you get to pick just because you don't disclose doesn't mean as marnie and i've seen many many times that when you least expect it maybe years after here comes a program on television a pastor even preaching a sermon a new book or a friend saying hey so-and-so man do you hear you got busted for you know being in porn or whatever and the wife says do you have a struggle with that did you tell me everything so this full disclosure piece is very important and how to do it stay listening is we're going to guide you through that. I promise you that. A Place for Healing, our program. Glad you're with us today. I I referenced you stay as sick as your secrets, Marnie. That comes from the 12 Steps. What role does the 12 Steps play? You and I both have been active, involved in the 12 Steps, and uh, there are different fellowships there. How are the 12 Steps important in the whole realm of disclosure?
1: Well, unfortunately, Jim, the 12 Steps in terms of disclosure are often used by um, recovering people who don't really understand to discourage disclosure, yeah. which which is really kind of a sad, a sad thing. Um, in the 12 steps, there is step number eight, which says that as a recovering person, I make a list of all people that I've harmed and become willing to make amends to them. And then step nine says, I made direct amends to all those people, these people I've harmed, except when to do so would injure them or others. Yeah, right. And so too often, uh, especially old-time 12-steppers, or I'll often say too um, fearful, um, timid, lack of courageous uh, 12-steppers, will <laughs> use those steps to say, well, that means I shouldn't disclose because it's going to hurt my partner. Well, of course it's going to hurt it your sure partner. Yeah. I mean, duh, that's really kind of
0: yeah.
1: obvious and um, way too simplistic. What those steps are talking about is something completely different. First, those steps are talking about making amends. That's a different process from disclosure. Mm -hmm. Now, disclosure is maybe a first beginning point of making amends just by telling the truth. But those steps and the idea of making amends come after all the steps that go before them. So if someone is truly working through a whole process of the 12 steps, you'll eventually get to 8 and 9. But that's way down the road. And disclosure needs to happen a lot before that. Let me give you an example of what what it really means in that step nine of I'm not going to disclose to somebody when it would injure them. You know, I tell my story a lot. Um, Jim, you obviously know the story. Yes. And I am personally a grateful recovering sex and love addict. So as a point of example to say, here's what step nine is really talking about. If I have had an affair with a husband of Susie Q, and, you know, I've already disclosed it to my husband and I've been healing process and been sober for a long time and all that kind of stuff. I would not go to Susie Q and say, gee, let me tell you, I'm so sorry for having an affair with your husband. And I want to make amends to you unless I was absolutely sure that she was already aware of that affair. Right. And if I were to. To go to her and just kind of ambush her with that, you know, can I take you to coffee? Just like to catch up and, well, here's really what I want. So sorry for having an affair with your husband. That would be so interest to her because that information needs to come from him. It doesn't need to come from me. Right. So what steps eight and nine mean in this whole realm about disclosure of sexual acting out, I need to put Susie Q on my list of people that I'm willing to disclose to, and I need to do that if the opportunity presents itself to me. But, um, you know, that's not what we're talking about in terms of a marriage relationship. We're talking about a husband who's a sex addict or a wife who's a sex addict voluntarily choosing to disclose their hidden, typically um, secret, wrong, sinful, betraying behavior to their partner. So that's really what we're talking about here.
0: Yeah, there is this sense of, um, and you're doing this uh, obviously very well right now, to educate people because there is not a piece of this that says have at it or go wing right. it or just, I don't know, you know, let's go out and get a bite to eat and the way back when in the car. I mean, it seems right. funny, but, man, have we heard the stories of people, who, you know, saying, well, I guess if they want me to disclose, this is uh, this is how I'll do it. I'll just go, and, and I know that most people probably know this They if they're an addict or been around addict." We addicts can be black and white sometimes or rather not politically speaking bipolar, but we can swing from this to this. And and uh, we want uh, a level of what what do you want to call it of moderation? We want we want people to just let let things just kind of settle down and we'll get to more of the how coming up in our next program. But there is a lot to learn about this. You've mentioned uh, Deb Corley and uh, Jennifer Schneider. They wrote a whole book on just how to disclose. So I think. Right. (laughs) Right. There's a lot to it in there.
1: Yeah, they wrote two fabulous books. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give them a plug. One is Disclosing Secrets. That's from the addict's side of, mm-hmm. you know, what to tell and how and when and all this kind of information. And the other is for the addict's partner called Surviving Disclosure. And they're they're both really fabulous books.
0: Well, we're talking on A Place for Healing today with Marnie Faree about the whole realm of disclosure, what it is, what it isn't, and, and why even do that. What, what's next, Marnie, as far as what do you feel is important as we, we're just in the first part of this. We'll come back on our next program and do uh, how to do all this. Well, right. What's next?
1: I, I'd like for us to really lay out re- very specifically, there's kind of this laundry list of what somebody discloses. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'd like to go.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: I, I think, uh, again, this, this isn't rocket science, and it's really helpful to to kind of have a guide a guide yeah. plan about this so got several things in this list here about what should be disclosed I think the first thing Jim is that an addict needs to disclose just what he or she's done we call it the nature of the acting out meaning has it been pornography has it been um, cyber sex has it been compulsive masturbation has it been fun sex going to strip clubs has it been what we call crossing the flesh line, meaning physically engaging with another person? So that's more specific
0: some, than just saying I've been bad. I've been ab, some absolutely. bad. Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Ab, absolutely. And, and even some level of detail in terms of I've acted out same sex. I've had anonymous sex with other men and bookstores, or I've acted out um, heterosexually opposite sex. In terms of pornography, I have looked at child pornography. That's an important thing to disclose, if that is the case. Um, that that kind of specifics uh, in terms of just what what have you done? That's where you start.
0: All right. What's next?
1: Next are two kind of first cousins. How much and how long have you been acting out?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How much? Um, you know, obviously, many addicts will say, "Holy cow! There's no way yeah. in the world I right. know." How many times I've looked at pornography or masturbating? Well, sure, there you don't know exactly, but you got some idea every day, multiple times a week, every time uh, I was home by myself. There's there's something that you can know about that.
0: I don't want to get so, ahead of you because I know we can. There's a whole other discussion. But guys will say to me, they've said it to you, they've said it in our workshops. Okay, but my wife says, uh-uh. Yeah, uh, you, you I want to go back time and date. I mean, was it was it on that date? Was it on this date? Did you do and the guys looking at it, I really can't remember. It was like 10 years ago when we got we got married and all the way through there. It's been a bunch. But you're saying the guy does the best he can to kind of remember associate with and say, probably on average and correct me if this isn't right Of you know uh, once a day during this period all like that because guys going i can't remember certainly can't remember the specific date of this
1: sure sure and that bleeds a little bit into what we've are planning for our next program on the topic of disclosure disclosure of all the specifics about how you're really asking right. about a timeline and we'll unpack that good but but addicts we know a whole lot more than we want to say you know (laughs) we're kind of chicken and we want to wiggle out of this that you know well you don't pin me down meaning don't make me tell yeah so we have some idea one of the things i always point out in terms of affairs is that an emotional affair counts wow so again A lot of times as addicts, we want to say, well, you know, it wasn't an affair because I didn't have intercourse with this person Mm -hmm. or some other kind of of very specific sexual activity. And what we understand and know from working with partners is that emotional affairs are very often from the partner standpoint, even more painful because um, particularly when it involves you've given your heart to somebody else. So I always tell addicts, if you and your partner disagree on the number of affairs you've had, take her number, because (laughs) um, an emotional affair is is an affair. How long? Most of the time, this is what we hear at Bethesda workshops all the time. Addicts have been acting out, at least for sure, in terms of behaviors like pornography and masturbation since they were 12, 13, 14 years old. So that may be a really long time. And obviously, that's going to predate their relationship with their marriage partner, um, unless they were childhood sweethearts or something. But it'll certainly predate their marriage. And that's helpful information for a partner to know. Sometimes we're seeing a little bit more. There are addicts who I call it have always had a propensity to act out. They've always been at risk, but they haven't until they got Internet access. Right. And so it's only been in the last number of years that they have overtly been acting out. Um, so how much and, and how long? All
0: right, let me jump in and hit a break. We're going to come back. We've got more to talk about and before we wrap up the program today. And we are simply talking about the whole realm of disclosure. And as Marnie has alluded to, we're going to come back and give you much more specifics in our next program of the how. I mean, as specific as you need, I'll tell you that. So you want to be sure to listen and pass the word, would you? Let people know where they can hear A Place for Healing from Bethesda Workshops. I'm Jim Cress here with Marnie Faree and yeah, more on this difficult issue of disclosure when we come back. Here is the Executive and Clinical Director of Bethesda Workshops, author and conference speaker, Marnie Faree.
1: Bethesda Workshops uses the best clinical strategies shared by leaders who are at least master's level, licensed counselors. All facilitators have specific training in treating sex addiction and underlying issues. A number of our staff are actually CSATs, which is the highest certification in our field. Bethesda Workshops is also a distinctly Christian program that emphasizes grace-based spiritual principles as the foundation for healing.
0: Contact Bethesda Workshops today at 1-866-464-4325. That's 866-464-4325 or Bethesdaworkshops.org. Welcome back to a place for healing from Bethesda Workshops. I'm Jim Cress with Marnie Faree and uh, I appreciate you stopping by and pass the word. You might even put this in your uh, Twitter tweet, uh huh, or on Facebook using social media. You just pass the word about our get-togethers, our programs called a place for healing, and uh, another program coming up on the whole realm of disclosure, kind of part two. And we'll get into the hows. Very practical. We're talking about disclosing what has happened, that sexual history, especially, Uh, I always say, from the first date, the first time we got together in that relationship where we're going all the way through it ended up being into a marriage and letting someone know That history—it's scary. You think it may make no sense, but we want to help you because the truth really does set us free. I mean, that's just true from the Word of God. But it's just—it is, and it's like about the truth of salvation. We know that as Christians, but um, if that intimacy, as we've said a bunch already today, is into me, see, I want you to see—we're getting close to getting back to Genesis chapter two. They were naked and unashamed, and I'm going to stay there and go, "Hey, I got to tell you where this is." and what i've done and we have a whole way to guide you through that don't jump the gun on that folks we'll get you through that in our next program but marnie we're we're going to move to talking about as we're saying what to disclose some of the the consequences this gets scary too the consequences of the acting out that's happened
1: that that's exactly right um the first consequence obviously that has got to be disclosed is if there have been any health issues yeah too too often Addicts who are crossing the flesh line are um, compromising their own health about that, and it is, I think, the height of selfishness um, and just cowardness to say, "Okay, well, let me take myself to the doctor and I'll I'll get help about that," but I'm not going to tell my my mm-hmm. wife, my husband, and yeah. just hope that that's going to be okay. Right. That that's absolutely wrong. So, to disclose any health consequences and allow the partner the opportunity to to get his or her own medical help about that.
0: You know, that might imply that a test like for STDs might need to happen then, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um,
1: Too often though, there are other consequences that we addicts lie about, Hmm. you know, for example, uh, an addict may have lost his job because of a repeated pattern of looking at porn on the internet on the work computer, And so got fired from the job. But what he went home and told his wife was, well, the company downsized or I got laid off or, you know, I have no idea why I was fired. My boss is just a jerk. So to come clean and tell the truth about about that kind of of behavior. Maybe it's a money issue. We see such a strong correlation between sex acting out and money challenges that many addicts face. We find that in males, especially That they've spent lots and lots of money acting out. And so, again, a, a partner or wife might think, well, we're in this financial crunch because, you know, we lost some investments in the stock market or because our real estate, our home's not worth as much as we thought it would when we sold it or those kinds of things. When the reality is that there's been a whole lot of unaccounted for money that's gone into that black hole of, sexual sin, and and that needs to be accounted for. Uh, Another one that really is is so hard is disclose if there has been a pregnancy created through acting out. Hmm. I mean, oh, the ways that that we complicate our lives. I know I've worked with several different families where the, the person acting out was the woman, and with an affair partner, a child was conceived, and husbands thought that this child was their biological child, and just all the complications about that. That's something that needs to be disclosed. There, there was a pregnancy, and here's what happened. Either mm-hmm. there is a child out there, uh, there was a child given up for adoption, there was a miscarriage or there was an abortion. That information needs to be disclosed.
0: And we've seen it in the media and we'll probably see sure. more of it where someone says, and as we say, borrowing your word from your book, no stones, throw no stones at anybody. But the idea of saying someone thought there is no way this would ever come out, then it's then it's come out. And I think what we're seeing too, just as a tiny bit of an add on, people say, well, I'm not a governor or I'm not in the, in politics or I'm not. With social media and what is going on more and more, that the, the 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 kind of the fence there I really see in you to do too, I think is getting lower and lower yes. You don't have to be in some public eye the way something will get out and be you know to, to disclose something Let me tell you let him who thinks he stands that nobody will know take heed lest you fall and we've seen that Marnie.
1: That that's right. The world has gotten much smaller when it comes to that yeah. kind of thing I think these last two are really scary for addicts, but it is our responsibility as one who is betrayed to Disclose the identity of an acting out partner. Hmm. If it's someone that's known to the spouse. Yeah, you see a, a lot of times um, We as addicts, especially the relationship so-called quote love type of addict are acting out and in, in Relationships and affairs and long-term connections with people they know and that means then usually people that their their spouse their husband or wife knows and so that wife should not continue to sit in church and look up into the choir loft and yeah, here strange. is somebody that her husband has acted out with and the wife doesn't know or mm-hmm. continue to be in the supper club you know, with these other couples and one of them has been an affair partner of her husband. That's not fair. And we as addicts are, are f- afraid and we want to manipulate that. And we want to withhold that information and try to protect ourselves and maybe we think we're protecting this other family. But the reality is that um, the the betrayed spouse gets to decide, does she want to stay in that supper club? Does he want to stay going to church and knowing here across the sanctuary is somebody that has been a part of this acting out behavior? Um, we don't get to decide that for yeah, like them that. by withholding that information. And, yeah. and th- those are hard, hard conversations. Mm-hmm. And then similar vein, but even... Um, probably equally, maybe a little more personal, an addict needs to disclose if acting out has occurred in the couple's home or especially in the bed that they share. Um, just that is such a breach into the sanctity of that space that should belong to the couple. So that's a laundry list of what it is that an addict should disclose.
0: You know, I like that because as you well know, um, uh... Pat Carnes, kind of the guru and founder at one level of our field, says in the beginning of Facing the Shadows, include the omissions. There's this place that I'll tell you this and that and tell you, but there's a couple things over here uh you've seen it i've seen it where someone said uh, did you act out even in our bed they followed marnie's thing there yeah did you no not in our bed but it, well you didn't happen to ask me if i acted out with someone in one of our children's beds right and it's like right. oh that blows up later we addicts can rationalize and so yes. include the omissions right
1: yes that's that's exactly right um that's exactly right and so i'm sure that that people listening jim still have a. A lot of questions and we're going there in the next program right
0: we are indeed and we'll uh, we'll say more about the, the the real specifics of how to do this and just take our time and walk with you through this because it's not going to be easy as the music plays here in the background we wrap up uh, a place for healing Marnie great job thanks for being with us today on the program
1: thank you Jim
0: you bet well we'll point you of course toward Bethesda org you can find out about all the different workshops that are going on there Lives are being changed, some ways being even saved there. Or just call 866 464 HEAL. That's 866 464 4325. The Executive and Clinical Director of Bethesda Workshops, Marnie Faree, has been with us today. I'm Jim Kress. We'll see you next time here on A Place for Healing.